DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I was delighted several years ago to speak with Dr. Thomas Howard, who was a highly regarded professor of English and literature for over 30 years. He is the popular author of numerous books, including Dove Descending, T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, Evangelical is Not Enough, Lead Kindly Light, and many other fine works. Dr. Howard passed away on October 15, 2020. With Dr. Thomas Howard, we went inside the pages of Hallowed Be This House, Finding Signs of Heaven in Your Home, published by Ignatius Press. Dr. Howard, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure for me. At Hallowed Be This House, Finding Signs of Heaven in Your Home. That, that term, hallowed, do we appreciate it today as we should? That's a very good question. Of course, we all say it every time we say the Our Father. Uh, but I suppose it's somewhat rare when we stop to think about it in a moment. Of course, it just means holy. I mean, the hallowed... Uh, is that which is set apart totally for God and is therefore a pure thing. And when we say to the Lord, hallowed be thy name, of course, it's acknowledging his uh, eternal uh, purity and uh, the holy nature of uh, the one to whom we're speaking when we say the Our Father. And when I use that in connection with the house, uh, our ordinary household, uh, lives and so on, uh, I'm touching on something which I think is, is true, and any Catholic would, uh, of course, agree, namely that the ordinary stuff of our day-to-day lives in, uh, in work and home and so on, uh, for the Christian, can be and is, uh, if we offer it to the Lord, hallowed. It becomes holy, the ordinary stuff. Uh, of our lives can become holy by being offered up to the Lord. Uh, My Catholic friends, of course, I grew up as a Protestant evangelical, but my Catholic friends used to tell me that when they would run into some kind of trouble or sadness at their parochial schools, this was 70 years ago, Mm -hmm. the nuns would say to them, offer it up, offer it up. Uh, And, uh, of course, they were right. I mean, if I stub my toe or cut my finger or or, uh, skin my knee, uh, obviously, most of us don't think very high on theological thoughts then, but if we mm-hmm. offer our troubles to the Lord, they become part of His uh, suffering. And so our households uh, can, be, can become hallowed in that way, uh, the life we live in them, you know, being offered to the Lord. And what I do in the book is just uh, kind of do a walk through all the different rooms of the house and see how that See how that works there. I think it's wonderful that in the very beginning you acknowledge the the importance, believe it or not, of the door, of that doorway. I mean, isn't it in Deuteronomy 6 where it implored to place a certain sign over our doorways to identify who we are? Absolutely. And, uh, of course, Jesus himself says, I am the door. And in our ordinary uh, daily experience, a door uh, is for shutting and opening. And uh, it seems to me the door in our house can 
be like the door to the, the gate to the tabernacle or the door to the temple. Uh, that is to say, it defines a space. It says, out here is the rush of ordinary life and so on in the streets and in the fields. Uh, inside this door, there is a hallowed place. It's holy. It's like the old temple in the Old Testament. It's like the church and so on. And, of course, when we walk into a church, particularly a beautiful cathedral, we're very conscious of having come into a place that is set apart. But we very often miss it when we think of our own houses. So, yeah, in that chapter, it's just a set of reflections on, my goodness, the door itself can sort of lay a hand on our sleeve and say, think about this. You know, this is the entryway into the place that is made holy by the Catholic life of the family who lives here. It's so important we appreciate the blessedness of the shelter that we do have that we call our home. I mean, it's it can be more than just a house. And yet today we struggle so much, so many of us, you know, just to make the mortgage payments or the rent payments that sometimes we lose the sense that that's a dwelling place where God can enter as well. Absolutely. And you know, I think, I mean, this is true even if one has an apartment on the 15th floor of a building in a city, that still is a space with a door in which a person who loves God uh, lives, either alone or with their family, their spouse, uh, and it, it can become uh, a holy place. I often think of a house in Ephesus, which you, in Turkey, which you can visit as a tourist now, and it's where St. John is uh, said to have cared for the Blessed Mother in the latter decades of her life. And you step into that little place and you think, my goodness, you know, this, this is a holy place. Well, yes, and, and so our, our houses can be the same way. Originally, this is a, a newer addition, actually, right. and because I remember back when I, in the 1980s, coming across it as we were beginning our young family. And it so touched my heart that, I mean, I, we ended up going around at one point with our, our children and discussing all the different areas so that they'd have that deeper appreciation because of the work that you provided for us. Oh, that's a lovely thing for a family to do, yes. And, you know, I think it opens out uh, for a child uh, just exactly what we mean by this. You know, and it's, I suppose it was really my, the sacramental vision which the Church taught me, that is to say that all the all the divine mysteries, all the holiest things of our salvation and our faith are mediated to us in physical contact objects. I mean, we know this obviously from the Eucharist. This is, this is just bread and wine, we might say. It can be bread, you know, just ordinary little uh, unleavened uh, wafers and just some, you know, doesn't have to be expensive wine. And yet, and yet we believe that these are transformed uh, by being made holy, by the prayer of offering. And the water of baptism is just any old water, uh, and yet it becomes uh, uh, the, the gateway into the holies. And I think, uh, you know, our houses, we can look on them in a sacramental way, so that the living and the work and even the drudgery and mm-hmm. the, the routines that go on in there can be uh, really transfigured by, by what we're doing. One of the most important rooms in, in the home is the living room or the family room. Yeah. And the activity that takes place in there, 
it shouldn't be deemed separate from, say, a prayer corner you have somewhere in a, in maybe in a bedroom or a lower level of the house or whatever that might be. But that living room, that needs to be thought of as a holy place as well. Absolutely, you're right. Uh, and it's, it's funny, when I was working on this, I thought, you know what, there's no specific job that is assigned to the living room. All the other rooms, you know, the kitchen, the work goes on there. The laundry, if you have a laundry, there's work that goes on there. The, the bedroom, that's where you sleep. The, the bathroom, a lot goes on in there mm-hmm. and so on. The different uh, rooms. But the living room, what is its main message to us? It's just family. This is us, and we're not required to do anything in here except be together. Mm-hmm. We do. We may be watching TV. We may be talking. We may be having friends in for a party, whatever it is. Uh, but the living room is the place that speaks to us of what it is for us human beings, and in the case of believing Catholics, uh, you know, we share the life of Jesus Christ, and we are one body and one family. So, you know, I love the idea of, the, of what the living room announces to us, that it's worth knowing other people in Christ and so on, and sharing, any, you know, parents and children. Uh, we're in and out of all the other rooms of the house, but if we have time to sit down ever in the living room, uh, then uh, we're we're entering into the thing which family life is all about. And in that connection, it struck me that, uh, of course, the, the main thing that we're all involved in as Catholics is being uh, configured to Jesus Christ, to grow up into him, as St. Paul puts it, and the the uh, assignment for us all here on the world, in earth here is to uh, grow up into Christ and to the perfection of love. And God has made these very diff- difficult lessons. They can be. I mean, the martyrs certainly found them difficult, and mm-hmm. others who endured hard work for years. Uh, but God has made them easy for us by putting us in family. So here's somebody whose flesh and blood I share, whom I'm familiar with, my parents, my brothers and sisters. Uh, and it's, here is an excellent place to start learning what it means to say what love says to us, God himself says to us, namely, my life for yours. I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus did this at the cross. I can do it by peeling carrots. A few minutes of my time, something I might not particularly choose to do, it's not necessarily fun, but I will do this for the sake of the dish we're going to eat from when we have supper, you know, little things like that, mopping the floor. Mm-hmm. The whole sense of hallowed be this house, it, it gives us a sense that all the activity that occurs there, I mean, really, in each room there's a relationship occurring, that there's, there's interchange, whether it be with the actual people that are in the room or even just acknowledging the presence of God if we're alone in those rooms. Very much so. Yes, and if one has a lot of time alone, you know, and doing the ordinary tasks of laundry or cleaning or dusting or cooking or preparing food, uh, and one has uh, experiences of life of being alone, I can be offering this to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is your work. You've made me. You've made my body. You've made its necessities. I need to eat, I need to sleep, and so on. But all this belongs to you. I offer it to you. I, I want to be like the Blessed Virgin who said, 
be it done unto me according to thy word. You've put me here in this place, and I want this to be a holy place. The world is troubled and confused and sad, and there's a lot that's wrong going on. I want this to be a space where I can meet you day to day uh, in a way which is different from going to Mass and so on, and yet, and yet, it speaks the same thing. It is uh, the chance to celebrate this mystery of love, which is, I give my life for you. At the Eucharist, we receive his life as salvation uh, for us and in our household, whether we're alone offering it to the Lord or offering it to our children or our brothers and sisters by preparing a meal for them, making the beds, doing the laundry, whatever it is. It's the same it's the same mystery going on, you know. Uh, I, I lay down my life for you. I'm here to serve you. I want to, uh, you know, be uh, a, an example of God's love here. What you really kind of challenge us in, a, in the wonderful, loving way you always do in your writing is to bring forth ordinary things, the ordinary things of everyday life, and just take pause to appreciate how truly extraordinary they are. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's sort of the extraordinary in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, if I really think, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm making a cake or baking bread or just making a soup or stew or something, there's a whole lot going on here. First of all, it all comes from the Lord. Uh, you know, the wheat, uh, the tomatoes, the... Uh, every every ingredient that goes into anything, this is from him. And, you know, the, the Psalms tell us, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to make music unto thy name, O Most High. I love that, because mm-hmm. sometimes if I don't feel like it, uh, when I'm doing some work and so on, that kind of plucks me by the sleeve and reminds me, you know, just to do it. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. You may not feel overwhelmed, uh, with great uh, rhapsodic feelings at the moment, but to give thanks to the Lord. It's a good discipline, but it's also a lovely privilege. And I think, you know, this can be, this can be done in the, in the various rooms of the house. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts really could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift. Click the Donate button on DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue the programming you have come to expect from us, like those from Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essif, Archbishop George Lucas, and so many more. Please prayerfully consider supporting our mission, which is dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. Thank you, and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me, to you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Inside the Pages. Wouldn't you say, Dr. Howard, that especially in this time of the new evangelization and this year of faith, and even on the heels of what the country kind of is experiencing and its realization that politics and economics isn't going to necessarily solve what's ailing us, but it's about that encounter, that this is so important today. It's crucial. It's critical, it seems to me, because I think we are witnessing the collapse of civilization as it has been known for the last 10,000 years of human history, where uh, or when civilizations do collapse, it's because chaos and immorality and so on take over. And the things which bind a society, even a non-Christian society, together namely respect for the other, obedience to authority, uh, and so self-discipline, hard work, all these things of some form of integrity or honesty and of service to the other. These are the things which hold a civilization together. And, of course, these are under attack now in, in our civilization. And as you say, you know, politics and the public realm uh, and so on. This is all the realm of external justice, supposedly. We have even seen that breakdown now in the war against uh, sexual morality and the war against unborn infants and their mothers and so on. We see that. So all the more, uh, it seems to me that we who belong to the Lord and who know him and are members of the church uh, There's never been a time like this when it was more important to realize that in this household, God is worshipped, God is is adored here, and we're trying to conform our lives to him and to his son who gave himself for us. That's what our life is. How in little ways, again, just the common work around the house, tidying up or, you know, making a bed for somebody or whatever it is, um, how can I begin to participate in the greatest mystery of all, you know, which is the mystery of love, which says, my life for yours, whether it's Jesus Christ on the cross, whether it's his God giving him in the womb of the Virgin for our salvation. The Incarnation is, a, is, is the example par excellence of the same thing, namely self-giving love, which we have the chance to learn in little ways in all the different rooms of our house. You know, it strikes me that so much of what you're saying is echoing what Pope Benedict has been teaching us, imploring us to take to our hearts, what 
many of those participants, again, I mentioned that the recent synod in the new evangelization, that we have to be first a, a listening church, and then we have to be able to help people encounter Jesus Christ. And it's not so much about apologetics, is it? No. Now, if they, if they see the living reality of a believing Catholic in someone's life, that speaks more eloquently, probably, than a long line of argument, even if the argument is valid, even if it's true and right. But most people haven't got the time or the brain, brain power to follow a complex argument. But, you know, it would be great if they could say of us, you know, that person is different. That per- Why is it? Well, they say that they love Jesus Christ. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crucial thing, it seems to me. In a very real way, with Hallowed Be This House, Finding Sides of Heaven in Your Home, I mean, you really are, it's all about hospitality, isn't it? I mean, at the root of that word is hospice, that healing love. Yes, it is. And it, it's about hospitality in, in every area of that domestic church. That's right. And hospitality, I mean, you put your finger on it, of course. And what is hospitality? It's nothing more and nothing less than self-giving. Come into my house. I want, I want to have you for a meal. I want to have you for a visit. I will lay out our things for you, uh, for your rest, for your pleasure, for your uh, nourishment. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. And I've uh, the chance to offer hospitality, and even in a, uh, a sort of a immediately domestic way, we can offer hospitality to each other as we go about our tasks in the household. My wife and I are down to just ourselves now. Our children are gone, and it's just us old folks. Uh, so how, how do I see my relationship with my wife as we move about the house from day to day now? Does that law of love still apply here? when a lot of the, the work and hurry and uh, responsibilities of raising a family have uh, been finished now. But, you know, there's never a situation where I can't, uh, as you say, offer hospitality to someone somehow. It really needs to begin with that hospitality with each other who dwell in that home. It has to start with us first before we can even begin to attempt to try to to project that to others. Yes, and it's, uh, uh, again, God has made it much easier for us by placing us in families uh, so that the the demands of love, the demands of self-giving and courtesy and generosity and hospitality are made much easier for us if it's my brother or my sister or my mother or my father or my son or my daughter uh, whom I'm uh, learning the lessons with, I heard a funny story. I think it's just a, a apocryphal story, but you know, of a man who's cut off in traffic by some driver didn't see him, and he uh, and he's furious with road rage and one thing and another, and he pulls up next to this car and he sees that it's his brother, <laughs> and. He's, suddenly, the whole situation has changed. He doesn't want to uh, uh, strangle his brother or knock him on the head. He just realized, oh, you know, look what you did. You're, you're, uh, you cut me off, but hey, you know, that's mm-hmm. nothing between us. We're brothers. And I think that's, a, that's a, God has been gracious to us in placing us in families where these little lessons uh, are 
made easy for us. And I think there's an interesting footnote to that. Namely, there are, I think, again, this has gone from our civilization now. But traditionally, in the ancient, amongst the ancient Jews, even amongst the pagans, in training their children, the child may say, but why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that now. Why do I have to do it? It used to be said, the parent would, the father or mother would say to his son or daughter, because I said so. Mm-hmm. The lesson in authority, which is how we're related to God. Why should I obey the Ten Commandments? They're not convenient. I don't feel like it right now. I want to get back at that person. Why should I obey the Ten Commandments? Because I said so, says the Lord. Or the Sermon on the Mount. All these little things. Uh, why should we obey that? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, uttered these things, and they happen to be true. And I think in a, in a, the breakdown of authority in the household is a tr- tremendous blow right at the root of the thing which families were made for, namely that the child is under the authority of the father and the mother for as long as that child is still learning and living in that household. But I don't know. It, uh, it looks to me as though that has pretty well evaporated. Mm. Is there hope, Dr. Howard? Well, you're talking to a funny man. I, I'm, I'm uh, a sort of a pessimist. I'm, I don't think we Christians are allowed to be real pessimists, but mm. I don't have any hope as far as the world situation, the political and international situation goes. Um, my hope is in God. We Christians, down through the centuries, have been obliged and privileged to live in all different kinds of political situations, good and bad. I mean, there were wicked Caesars who slew our apostles and ordinary people, and there were wicked kings and even wicked supposedly Christian kings in Europe in the Middle Ages. They were supposed to be Christian. They were technically Catholic. And believing Christians have been asked to live in all sorts of different situations, so, and our trust is in God. So for us, the, the principal thing is the church. I belong to the church, which is a stranger in history, which is uh, a foreigner in a strange land, this world. And we are in pilgrimage. We're not settled here. We're going somewhere, which is really home with a capital H in the house of God, uh, so that no matter, uh, one doesn't look for any real, solid, and lasting hope from the political order. I mean, in our election, many people, the past presidential election, millions of people were greatly disappointed, terribly disappointed. Others were uh, elated, of course. But those who were disappointed, uh, if their whole point was, well, now we've got to go back to the drawing boards and learn how to, to beat this thing, well, that would be one possible tactic. But ultimately, even if one feels like saying that, it is, all right, Lord, uh, you've given us our cues and our clues for living under a hostile power, uh, and we might all have the privilege of being martyred. Who knows? But that would be an extreme Mm -hmm. uh, statement. But how does one live in a hostile environment when our neighbors and our friends and so forth have a, an entirely different set of values. They, they see no wrong in the sexual revolution. They see no wrong in the slaughter of the innocents. 
uh, and yet this is my next door neighbor. Uh, mm-hmm. How do I, you know, what does this ask of me? So I think when you ask about the question of hope, I would say ultimately uh, we have what the scripture calls the blessed hope, which is, I mean, we're in Advent, and up until December the 16th, we're looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ, which will be the consummation of history. That's where our real uh, hope and affection and zeal uh, are based. And until that time when we do encounter the face of Jesus, it is so important to appreciate where we're at and to do the best we can. And I think Again, your work, Dr. Thomas Howard, and in particular in Hallowed Be This House, finding signs of heaven in your own home. Uh, I, I think that's very vital for our lives today. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I hope uh, people, Catholics especially, will you know, begin to see their households as uh, the place where they're learning the glorious lessons of the divine love. Mm. Dr. Thomas Howard, I, I wish we had more time. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I guess, uh, you know, they would, they would just be to all of us to sort of uh, wake up, see the commonplace at your fingertips, see in the ordinary the same possibilities that are signaled to us most uh, clearly in uh, the Eucharist, in the Mass. Self-giving love, that's the agenda for me. That's, that's the set of lessons I've got before me. Mm, Dr. Howard, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. With Dr. Thomas Howard, we went inside the pages of Hallowed Be This House, Finding Signs of Heaven in Your Home. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Ignatius.com, the website for his publisher, Ignatius Press or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the Discerning Hearts free app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.